Now would you open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And today we come to verses 19 and 20. It's on page 1160, if you're using one of those pew Bibles. It's on page 1160, Ephesians chapter 6. If you're new with us this Sunday, we're really glad you're here. Uh, We are almost at the end of a year-plus series through Ephesians. In fact, this this Sunday we study verses 19 and 20, and then next Sunday, that's it. That's the last last one, so I know you're all thankful. Uh, So am I. So uh, we're nearing the end of this series, and, and we've been looking at the idea of spiritual warfare, and today we're looking at this idea of praying for gospel ministers. So let's, let me just start reading in verse 10 of chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, I'm just struck by the words of that song we just sang. Oh, how how great a debtor to grace I am. I, I realize, God, that you've given us so much. You've given us everything that we have. Our, our life, our, our breath, our bodies, our jobs, our family. Lord, everything is from you. And yet we confess to you that we have squandered what you've given us, that we have taken advantage of your kindness to us, that, Lord, every good gift you've given me, I seem to have taken it and warped in some way. I, I've taken my body and done with it as I pleased. I've taken money that you've given me and spent it the way I wanted to spend it. You've given me relationships and I've warped them and and used them and manipulated them for my own selfish ends. And so, Lord, we look at our lives and we realize that that we are rebels, that we are rebels without a cause, that, that we've taken everything you've given us and hijacked it and absconded with it. And so, Lord, we just confess to you that we are a sinful and broken people. And that's why, Lord, when we hear that Jesus came to die for us in order that we might be saved, Lord, it's, it's just incomprehensible that you would die for me. But I thank you, Jesus, that you did. And I thank you that through your death on the cross, my sins have been forgiven, that eternal life is now mine, that I've now become a child of God. Lord, these are the greatest truths ever in the history of humanity, and yet we so rarely think of them. And so I pray, Lord, that as we study your word this morning, you might impress upon my heart and everyone's hearts the greatness of the gospel, 
how great it is that you, God, sent your only Son to die for us. And Lord, help us as we study to hear that and to see that in your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our text this morning I want to focus on is verses 19 and 20. Paul says, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The most important thing that you can do for any pastor is to pray for him. The most critical thing you can undertake for any gospel minister, and by that I mean pastors, youth pastors, missionaries, evangelists, the most critical thing you can do for anyone in in that position is to pray for them. It's the most important thing. That's what Paul says right here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, pray also for me. You notice at verse 18, he told us to pray for all the saints. Do you see that? At the end of verse 18, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Then after telling us that we should all be praying for each other, he makes a special request. He says, and pray also for me, and specifically, pray for those who minister the gospel. And if Paul needs prayer in ministering the gospel, I'll tell you what, I need prayer. (laughs) If he needs prayer, then I definitely need prayer. Pastor Seth Rogers needs your prayers. Uh, Pastor Rich Chamberlain, our youth pastor, needs your prayers. We desperately need your prayers. The most important thing you can do for us would be to pray for us. In fact, I I don't know if this is true or not, but I I mean, sometimes I feel this way. I, I think I could probably go the rest of my ministry without receiving any compliments or words of encouragement from the congregation if I just knew for certain that you were praying for me daily and fervently. If I knew that for certain, that this congregation was praying for us in the pastoral ministry, man, we would be invincible because it's through the prayers of the saints that God brings power for his people. So what then should you pray for pastors? How do you pray for a pastor? And they're kind of freaky thing, freaky animals. I mean, what, what, what do they need? Well, I, how can I pray for a pastor? Well, I mean, you pray for everything that you need prayer for. Pastors are human beings just like you, and so whatever you need prayer for, we need prayer for. You know, protection, health, our families, uh, focus to stay focused on the Lord, a good balance between hard work and leisure time. I mean, all the things that you struggle with in your lives, we need prayer for too. But there is one thing in particular that pastors need prayer for that, that is, in a sense, unique and, and singles them out uh, among all of the others in the body of Christ. And that is... Pastors particularly need prayer for speaking the Word of God with divine power. That's what pastors particularly need prayer for. Among everything else, we need God's power. And that's what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, pray also for me. Well, what? What do you want us to pray? That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The most important thing you can do for any gospel minister, be it a pastor, evangelist, or a missionary, the most important thing you can do is to pray for them. And the most important thing to pray is for divine empowerment in speaking the gospel. Lord, bless my pastor, and this Sunday when he speaks, I pray that fire would fall from heaven onto my heart 
that, that I wouldn't hear him preach at all, but that I'd hear you speaking through him. That's the kind of prayers that pastors need because it's through God's power only that anything gets accomplished. And I can preach a, a fancy sermon, a funny sermon, an entertaining sermon, a good sermon, a well-crafted sermon, but if God's power isn't working through it, you just go home entertained or kind of uplifted, but it doesn't have any spiritual value. It's only as God's power comes through the preacher that anything of eternal value takes place. And how do we get that power? Prayer. And so you need to pray, and I need to pray. So pray for us. Look at uh, verse 19. We'll zoom in on this a little bit more. Notice that when Paul asked for prayer, for, for power, he really asked for two aspects of that power. There's two things in this verse that Paul is asking for. The first thing he's asking for is clarity. Clarity. You see that? Look at verse 19. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me. Paul's praying for clarity there. Now, it is kind of a funny phrase that words may be given me. It's like, did Paul forget the gospel? Is that what he's saying? Like, I, you know, I open my mouth and I can't remember what the gospel is. I can't remember what God's word is. I mean, no, he knows the gospel. He knows the truth. So when he says that words may be given me, it's not that he's kind of struggling to, to get a handle on the truth. He knows the truth. I mean, the reason we know what the gospel is is because Paul wrote so clearly in his epistles. So it's not that he's saying, Lord, help me to understand what the truth is, although we need that too. He's really saying, help me to communicate it clearly. I know what I have in my heart here. I know what your truth is, but there comes the moment of actually speaking it, and it needs to be clear for the people. It's like uh, this time C.S. Lewis went to hear this, uh, this young preacher friend of his, and the preacher was, you know, doing his thing, and you know how preachers, they get, eventually get wind up, at, and they wind up to the climax of their sermon, and, and this preacher finally was exhorting people to believe in Jesus to be saved, and he said, you need to believe in Christ, and if you don't receive Christ as your Savior, you will face severe eschatological ramifications, you know, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? And, and so afterwards, you know, C.S. Lewis pulled the guy aside and, and he said, now when you said severe eschatological ramifications, did you mean believe in Jesus or, or you'll go to hell? And the pastor said, well, yeah, that's what I meant. So Lewis said, then say that. <laughs> say it clearly so that people understand what you're trying to say. I mean, you know what this is like. Haven't you ever had something that you really wanted to say to somebody, something really important? And you know what it is. It's in your heart. It's like burning in you. But then you're like, oh, how am I going to say this? Maybe you have an employee or employer, and you have to have a hard talk with them. And you know what you have to say to this person. It's, it's not a question of what you've got to communicate. But it's like, how am I going to find the words to say this to the person? And so you rehearse this speech. You know how this is. You're driving along. You keep telling yourself, this is what I'm going to say. Or you want to ask a girl out, and you just keep rehearsing. This is, what am I going to say? How am I going to do it? Yeah, that's like when I, when I got engaged. I knew what I wanted to say to my wife when I proposed to her. I mean, there's no question. I loved her. I wanted to spend my life with her. And so, you know, this was in my heart. It's not like I was wondering about what I wanted to say to this woman. But there still comes the moment when you have to get down on one knee and look him in the face and actually say it. And, and so, you know, even though I had all this stuff in me, when it came to the moment, you know, I got the ring, got on one knee, and this is how it went for me anyway. I don't know how suave you guys are. I'm not very suave. I, I said something like, Jennifer, I love you, and I want to spend the rest of <laughs> That was pretty much it. And uh, 
fortunately, I had the ring, and so she knew what I was talking about. But, uh, that, <laughs> you know, oh, give me the words, I, you know, and I just botched it. But you, you need those words, and that's how it is for the preacher. You need to pray for clarity for the preacher. Because the preacher has all this stuff in his heart. You know, I, I, I start the week studying a Bible passage. And, and I, I open it up in Greek or Hebrew, and that's where it starts for me. I translate it from Greek or Hebrew. And then from there, I start looking at some of the grammatical features and the syntactical structure. And I start looking at how this verse fits in the flow of the argument of the whole letter or the book or whatever. And, and I take key words, identify those, do word studies. And if there's some historical background, I dig into that. And then, then I start, you know, reading theological and reading commentaries and, you know, doing all this, what we call the exegetical spade work. You know, just dig into a passage and dig and dig. And, you know, I'll, I'll spend, you know, seven, eight, nine hours just studying the passage and, and digging into it and praying about it. And, and as I'm doing that, it's like this, this fire starts burning in my heart as God's truth. I'm, I'm starting to understand really deeply what the text is saying. And I got this fire in me. I'm like, wow, this is great. This is something to talk about. This is something to preach about. You know, I don't have to go out and try to find the, the best-selling book and get some ideas for a sermon. I mean, it's right here in the text. I can preach this. So, you know, I'm getting all pumped up, right? And then it's like, all right, now I've got to write the sermon. So I sit down in front of my word processor and... Uh, you know, okay, what do I say? And like, I know what I want to say to you. It's burning in my heart like a bonfire, but, but now I have to take, you know, hours, 10 hours of study and somehow condense it into a half-hour sermon. And, and I have to somehow communicate the fire of God's Word from me to you. And how do you do that? Where do I start? What's the first thing you say when you get up? You know, what are your points? How do you construct the argument? How do you help lead people through the ideas? And it's hard. It's not that I have any question what God's truth is, but I need the words to be able to say them to you. Because, and it's not just that I want to preach a sermon. I don't just want to accomplish a sermon. I don't just want to entertain or, or make laugh or make cry. What I want is for God, as I'm preaching the sermon, to take his fiery finger and go on your heart. That's what I want. And my heart, too. That he's been doing it all week as I studied the passage. And just as God went to me, I want him to go to you. And if that doesn't happen, for me, it's a failed sermon. If God isn't speaking and moving in people's hearts, you know, what's the point to, to, to have a fun morning? It's irrelevant. We want to hear from God. And the way that happens is through prayer, for clarity, for, for Holy Spirit clarity to put his finger on our hearts and show us what it is that God needs to be saying to us. So pray for pastors. The most important thing you can do for any pastor or evangelist or missionary, any minister of the gospel, is to pray, first of all, for clarity. That whenever they open their mouths, words may be given them. And then the second thing to pray for, is two things I see in this verse. One is clarity. The, one is, the second one is courage. Courage. That's the other thing I see in this verse. He says in verse 19, pray for, also for me, then whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will, here we go, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So two times in two verses, he says, 
fearlessly, boldly, do it fearlessly. Let there be a lion-hearted courage in the preaching of the gospel. Don't water it down. Don't beat around the bush. Don't be mamby-pamby. Don't, don't you know, stick your finger up in the air and see which way the cultural winds are blowing. And, and so just go with that so you don't want to offend people. You know, be courageous and speak the truth in season and out of season. There should be a courageousness to gospel preaching. And, and I need prayer for that. Every gospel minister needs prayer for that. Paul needed prayer for that. Remember what situation Paul was in? When he wrote this, he was in prison. It says there in verse 20, he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel. Uh, Paul had suffered a lot for preaching the gospel. He'd been beaten. He'd been thrown in jail. He'd been whipped. They beat him with rods. He'd been stoned. He almost died multiple times. And, and it was because he kept preaching Jesus. And, you know, the human tendency is, when you get resistance like that, you back off a little bit. If, if you were arrested for your faith, and you go in jail, there's a huge temptation to think, well, you know, I did my part. I'm in jail now, and, you know, I preached the gospel. Now I'm suffering for Christ. I'm going to just cool it a little. Let's just tone it down. You know, I'm in jail. I don't want to go in any deeper. And so you know, there's this tendency to back off, to hide, to water it down at that point. But Paul just says with such boldness, mm, I want more courage. I want to preach it even more boldly. Paul, you're in jail. I don't care. I need more courage. And uh, we think of Peter and uh, John. Do you remember that story in Acts chapter 4? Peter and John preach the gospel. They get arrested in Jerusalem. They're hauled in before the Sanhedrin, which is the uh, so like the supreme court of, of Jerusalem, of, of Judaism at that time. And the Sanhedrin shakes their finger at him and they say, no more preaching about Jesus. And they said, hey, what are we going to do? Are we going to obey you or are we going to obey God? And so they go out and what's the first thing they do? They go have a prayer meeting. They get the church together, and what do they pray for? Do they say, Lord, protect us from getting arrested again? We don't want to get arrested. Lord, keep us safe. We don't want to go back to jail. That's not what they pray. They just say, Lord, we need more boldness. We need to just redouble our efforts and hit it even harder and preach the gospel even harder and not back down right now. It's that courage, that lion-hearted fearlessness that gospel ministers need. And around the world today... As we sit here comfortably, well, inside anyway, here in New England, we're, we're, we're in this nice place, this nice building, but, you know, we support missionaries around the world today. We're going to hear a missionary speaking during the Sunday school hour, and, and there's missionaries in parts of the world where they don't have the luxuries we have. And if they do open their mouths for the gospel, they could be arrested, they could be beaten, they could, you know, be separated from their families. I mean, that stuff is happening this moment around the world People are suffering for the sake of Christ. And those people need prayers for boldness. Not just clarity, but also courage in the preaching of the gospel. And even here in America, though, we still need courage. I, I need courage. Yeah, I mean, I, we have freedom of religion and freedom of speech in America for now. And, uh, and even in that case, though, th there's still a fear because even when you have that, that sort of political freedom, even though I know that when I go home tonight, I don't have to worry about the Gestapo kicking in my door and hauling me off for being a preacher of the gospel, there's, there's always a fear in preaching the gospel because the gospel's an offensive message. It's offensive. Any culture, anytime, anywhere, the gospel is an offensive message. And so, you know, you don't like to offend people. I'm not, I don't enjoy offending people. And yet I have been entrusted with this message that tends to be offensive. 
I mean, think about the gospel message. The gospel is the good news, but before you get the good news, you've got to get the bad news. And what's the bad news? You're sinners. You are going to hell because you have offended a holy God. That you are not good people. That you are not nice suburbanites, but that you stand before God as rebels and condemned sinners. And without Christ, you are utterly lost forever. That's, that's part of the gospel message. I don't like saying that. I don't, maybe some people do. I don't enjoy standing up here saying that. It's not like I go home and go, ha, ha, yeah, I got to tell people they're going to hell. I mean, you know, I'm like you. It's like, oh, do I have to say that, Lord? Lord's like, that's my message. You go preach the message. Are you sure? That's my message. Go preach it. it it's an offensive message. And yeah, we don't have political persecution in our nation right now. We, the government doesn't clamp down on gospel preachers. But you know, there's this cultural atmosphere. In, in, in America, one of the atmospheric conditions that's made it difficult to preach the gospel is that emotion and feeling and sensitivity has been elevated far above truth. And so the cardinal sin in America is making anybody feel bad. You know, you can do anything in America. You can live however you want, do whatever you want. Just don't hurt anyone's feelings. You know, well, that makes that person feel uncomfortable. Well, they feel excluded. They feel this. They feel that. And we don't want anybody to feel bad. And you can see how this is kind of a problem if, if you're a gospel preacher. It's like, whew, okay, so I've got to preach the gospel. This is going to make people mad. It's going to make people uncomfortable. And, and so I not only need clarity, I need courage because... I understand this. Even if you don't fully understand it, you, you can just kind of sense it. We all sense this as the culture we're in. And when you have to stand up in front of people and say, you're a sinner who is lost unless you have the Savior, you understand this is going to make some people go, oh, what does he think he's talking about? I'm not a sinner. You know, and, and of course, I, I don't want to do that naturally in my own human nature. And that brings up another reason preachers need courage is because preachers and pastors tend to be, it's a generalization, but they tend to be nice people who like to get along with people. I mean, it's a helping profession in part. It's like, you know, those of you who are counselors or, or nurses, I mean, the reason people get into helping professions is they tend to be helpful. They want to help people. I, 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 you know, I tend to be a people pleaser. That, that's my nature. Seth's nature. Pastors just tend to be that way. We, we want to like people. We want people to like us. That's why we're in this profession in part. And so then to have to stand up and say things, to, to look at God's word and to see that this is, ooh, this is pointed. This is going to offend some people. I know who, exactly who it's going to offend. And yet you want me to say this, Lord? I need some courage, some guts to say that. I need a lion-heartedness. And so you've got to pray for pastors who tend to be nice guys who want to get along with people, that we would have the guts to say things that we know could very well offend and drive people away. And speaking of driving people away, that brings up another reason <laughs> preachers need courage in America. Because, as if all those other reasons weren't enough, another reason preachers need courage in America is because within American evangelicalism, and again, this is one of these sort of atmospheric things, but there's a real emphasis on pastors being successful. Not faithful, successful. And how is success defined in American evangelicalism? Attendance, budgets, building projects. You know, bucks, bodies, buildings, right? That's success. 
And those things are important. I'm not against those things. I'm not saying those things are evil. But, but you know, the, the American success story of the church has pretty much mirrored the American success story of business. Who is the great American business success story? It's the guy who comes over, immigrates, and starts off with nothing but two quarters in his pocket, and through his hard work and ingenuity, he starts a little company, and that company grows into a a huge corporation, and he becomes a tycoon. And we say, oh, that's the American dream in business. But somehow that paradigm has come over to the church, and the people we exalt in evangelicalism today are who? Is it the faithful pastor who's been in a little church out in the sticks in Iowa who's been faithfully preaching the gospel to three generations? That's not who we exalt. It's the guy who what? Starts the Bible study. Just started with four of us studying the Bible. And then I grew that into a church. And then be, now there's 30,000 people coming to my church. And now there's seminars. And now there's books. And now there's training manuals. And, you know, and those are the people. And not, not that there's anything wrong with that. But that, that's what sort of gets lifted up. And when you're in a pastor, you hear that. And so, again, there's this atmospheric pressure that's sort of pushing on your brain that's like, you have to be a successful pastor. And you go, no, no, I just need to be faithful to the Lord. No, you must be a successful pastor. You must have a growing congregation. Like, no, no. You have to fight that. And so then when you come to something that you know is going to offend somebody from the text, then you go, ooh, this is not going to help attendance. You know? <laughs> If I just say that, that's going to offend some people. Some people are going to say, oh, no, and, or at least you think that anyway. And what you find out is when you preach truth, it actually, I, I think it's the way of growing churches, the healthy way is to preach truth. But anyway, that's beside the point. This is, you know, so there's this pressure. And it's like pastors need courage. Pastors need to be able to say, this is what God's Word says. We're going to go by God's Word. And if you really are uncomfortable with God's Word and you really don't want to hear it, then we have something for you in the foyer. It's called the door. And you can go and use that at any point in the message that you'd like to. And if you don't like that one, there's two over here, and there's also one on the side. You know, leave! (laughs) Because this is God's Word, and if you don't want it, then go out there and listen to TV, and go out there and rent videos, whatever! This is God's word, and we are a people who are seeking the truth. Not, not that you have to be that abrasive or rude, but I'm just saying there has to be that courage to not worry about what people think if you believe that something God is saying is his word. It's a pastor's need courage. I need courage to stand up against those kind of cultural, atmospheric conditions. That's what I need. So pray for pastors to have clarity in preaching the gospel. Pray for pastors to have courage in preaching the gospel. Well, let me address just one final issue before we close. We've looked at the what. We've looked at what pastors need prayer for. But the thing we haven't really addressed, and maybe we've just kind of assumed it, but maybe we shouldn't assume it, why? Why should you be motivated to pray for pastors? Uh, You say, well, well, because it's tough to be clear and to be courageous. No, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, okay, yeah, pastors have those struggles, but what makes them so special? I mean, why should you pray for pastors in particular? It's like, are they more special than the rest of the Christians? Are they some kind of higher being of Christian who, who deserves special attention and deserves special perks and benefits? Is there something special about the pastor that means he should get more prayer? In other words, you know, you're busy people. You have busy lives. You have jobs. You have things you're doing. Why should you take extra time to pray specifically for pastors? I mean, what would motivate you to do that? And I think the answer to that question is, it's not the pastor. It's because the pastor is carrying 
the gospel. It's not because of the messenger, it's because of the message. God has entrusted the gospel to pastors. And so if you care about your own souls, you should pray that that message is going to come through clearly. What is the gospel? It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's, it's, it's the way that condemned sinners like us who are bound for hell can find a way of being reconciled to God and going to heaven. That's the gospel. And so if you care about that, if you care about your eternal destiny, then you should pray for the people God has chosen to carry the message. Not because they're anything special. I'm nothing more special than you are, but God's given me a message. It's this whole idea here in verse 20 where Paul says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. I'm an ambassador. And I hope you guys, I'm I'm not becoming a megalomaniac here. I'm not sort of, you know, becoming a a cult leader or something. But but there's a real sense in which if I'm speaking God's, and I, I even hesitate to say this, but if I'm speaking God's word to you faithfully and in the power of the Spirit, God is speaking to you. Not because of me. I'm trying to just make this. It's because of his word. And if his word is being spoken by Seth or by Rich or by anyone who's speaking it, being called by God and speaking it in the power of the Spirit, God is speaking to you if it's faithful to the Bible and through the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, to, to not pray for that is, is to turn your back on God in a sense. It, if you could sort of put all that together in your minds, it, it, there's a real trueness to that. This is God's ambassador to you. And if you say to the ambassador, forget you, I don't care about you, then that's what you're saying to the one who sent the ambassador. It's the gospel message. And so we need to pray for pastors because they've been entrusted with this heavy message and they're no different than you are. I'm just the same as you. And I've been given this message and I'm like, ugh. This is so hard, and so you need to pray if you want that message. You look, you go to your doctor, don't you? And when you have a disease or some ailment, and your doctor says, I don't want to tell you what we're going to do about this disease, you're listening. And, and you want him to be clear and courageous and to tell it to you straight. And when you go to your financial planner, and you're broke or you're having difficulty with debt, but you know you want to make a, a good retirement savings, you go to that financial planner, and you listen closely, don't you? You say, I want it clear, and I want it straight. Don't pull any punches. Just tell me straight how I can get my finances back in order. And you're all ears. And you go to the child psychologist when you know that little Johnny or little Susie or whoever is having a problem, and, and you're really worried about them. And so you go to that child psychologist, and you say, just tell me, I'm all ears. You tell me what I need to do for this child and how I need to take care of this child. I'm listening. But you won't pray for pastors who are bringing you the words of eternal life? This is totally ridiculous. I mean, who cares if you beat the disease and live a long life and if you get out of debt and become very financially stable for your retirement and if if your child grows up well-adjusted, what does it matter if you go to hell for eternity? As Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And pastors come to you if they're faithful to the Bible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastors come to you with the news of how to find heaven and how to find eternal life. And what is that news? What is the gospel? It's a simple message. Jesus died for sinners. You are a sinner and I am a sinner. Receive Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's it. It's not go to church, try to be a good person, do this sacrament. It's grab hold of Christ alone and you will be saved. It's the message of the gospel. Had lunch with a guy this week and 
He said, you know, give me the answer, Pastor. And I just told him straight. I said, this is the answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Oh, that can't be it. It's too simple. That's it. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so I need clarity and courage to say that message. And if you care about your own soul, then you should pray for any pastor or anyone who's bringing you the Word of God that it would be clear and that it would be courageous. I heard a little story that sort of brought all this together for me this week. It was about a guy named Taylor Smith. Probably haven't heard of him. I hadn't either until I read this story. He's, uh, he was a chaplain, uh, the bishop in charge of the chaplains in World War I in England. And so all the, all the chaplains answered to him. If you wanted to become a chaplain in the army, you had to go talk to Bishop Taylor Smith. And uh, Bishop Taylor Smith, when he would interview prospective chaplains, he had one question for them. He only asked them one question in the interview. This is what he'd say. He'd say, imagine you're on the battlefield and there's a wounded soldier who only has five minutes to live. How would you direct that soldier concerning his eternal destiny? That's the one question. And if that chaplain candidate in that five, you know, start the watch, or whatever they had back then, you know, look at the watch. And, and, uh, and if he could answer in five minutes that question and show scripturally how a person could have eternal life, the guy was a chaplain. And I thought, boy, that's such a great picture. Because that's it. I mean, this is a guy at the end of his life, this soldier, and everything that's come before is now about to either become meaningful or meaningless depending upon his eternal destiny. All eternity stands before him. What will this, this soldier do? He needs the message of eternal life. And so you need clarity and courage to, to speak into that moment what the gospel is, that it's faith in Christ alone for salvation. And, and so you've got to be able to say it. And it's really our situation. I don't know how long you have to live. I don't know how long I have to live. Maybe some of us, uh, you know, won't, won't live through this year. It's possible. I hate to even say it, but it's possible. You know, probably within 70, 80 years, most of us here will be gone. So, so whether it's five years or, or five minutes or 50 years, the point is we have a short time. And in relative to the length of eternity, it might as well be five minutes. It's a brief time that we have here now. This is it. Earth is just the staging area for either heaven or hell. And, and we've got to, to have that straight. And if you don't have that straight, everything else is meaningless in this life. And so pray that God will raise up faithful gospel ministers who would speak his word clearly and courageously in this culture. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, I just pray that we would be concerned for you, Jesus, that our hearts would be focused on you, Jesus, and that if you've raised up anyone to speak about you, that, that we would pray for that person, not because that person's important, but because Christ is important. Lord, I pray that we would be so hungry for Jesus, that we would be so hungry for the Bible, that we'd be so hungry for truth, that we would pray for for that at, at all costs, including praying for those who have been commissioned as ambassadors to speak God's word. And so, Lord, I pray, help us to be faithful in praying for pastors. Help me to be faithful in praying for Seth and Rich and for our missionaries, for Sunday school teachers who are bringing the gospel to little kids, for, for youth workers, for Bible study leaders, anyone, Lord, who's entrusted with that biblical message. Lord, help us to be clear and courageous and to speak what it says. Not that, Lord, we'd be rude or offensive, but, but that we'd just speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. 
Help us to do that, Lord, in the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Rick Coughlin. I'm one of the elders here at Social Baptist Church, and, and uh, the elders uh, would like to give us as a congregation an opportunity to be able to, right now, be able to pray for our pastors. And so we're going to put our pastors on the spot that they will sometimes put the elders and missionaries as they're going out. We're going to ask Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Seth if they will come to the middle aisle here of the congregation. If those of you in the congregation, please stand, gather around them, place your hands on them, and, and uh, if you can't get directly to them, then I would ask that you would uh, put your hands on somebody who would be able to uh, have their hands on them. And then if two or three of, of you in the congregation would uh, just pray for our pastors, and then I will close us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the, the gift of, of these individuals that you have given us, for Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Seth, Pastor Rich. We ask that you would wrap your arms around them, around their families, Father. Protect them. Keep the evil one from doing any harm to any one of them or their family members. Let their hearts be pure and strong for you. Let their minds be clear. Let the word boldly be proclaimed from their mouths. Father, we pray that you would keep them from saying or doing or even thinking anything that brings dishonor to your name. Let their message be bold and give them that courage. Protect them in Jesus' name. Amen.
of Ezekiel. And these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David, rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the Jehovah. There is no God like 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 Jehovah. Behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Thank you very much, everyone. Hey, after the service, our prayer team is here. Uh, Sally Ells is here. Seth and I, if there's anything we can pray for you for, big or small, we'd love to do that. Downstairs, coffee. Then come here, uh, Paul Chan, as he talks about uh, ministry in Southeast Asia. Hear about another gospel uh, minister preaching the gospel in another part of the world. And now, Lord, I just pray you'd bless this congregation. Fill them up with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I thank you that even though you've called out particular gospel ministers, you've also entrusted every single one of us with the message of the gospel. That, that Lord, we, that Seth and I might be an inspiration, I pray, so that this whole place might be full of people who share the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. And so, Lord, give us opportunities this week, and then give us clarity and courage to speak it. And so, Lord, may this, the gospel go forth from your word through us to this people to the South Shore and beyond. And we pray this through Christ's name. Amen.